0: Kook Cast, Episode 14. Woo! Hey, kooks, are you learning how to surf? Perhaps you're a seasoned pro. But do you know what a kook is? Well, there's many things that will qualify you for that label. Like when you're 15 and tripping on acid, paddle out to surf 10 to 12 foot surf with a rope for a leash and a rag for an ankle strap. You don't have to admit it out loud, but my guest and longtime surfer, Dalton Portella, has no problem to. If you've ever kooked it, or just like to laugh when other people do, stick around. This podcast is just for you. You're probably realizing by now us surfers love to spot a kook. But don't get all nervous and wonder if you should quit surfing because we all kook it at some point. So hang on to your surfboard and get ready to learn. The Cast is here to lead you on your journey out of kookdom one story at a time. And hopefully offer you some traction on this slippery slope between kookery and killing it. I'm your host, Coach Chris, from the surf coaching and education program, The Surf Continuum, where I work personally and virtually with all kinds of surfers to cultivate proper technique, fundamental skills, and education on how to read waves so you can surf for life. Well, Dalton, thanks for being on the show today. Thanks for having me. Before, uh, before we launch into the, all the kooky things that you do, <laughs> why don't you just tell everyone about yourself and what you do and when you started surfing or whatever, whatever comes to mind.
1: Yeah, I was born in Florida and as soon as I heard you could ride a wave, I wanted to ride a wave. But the beaches my mom took us to in Florida, never had any surfers, Hollover Beach, uh, which ended up, like I went back there after uh, I graduated high school and they called it Hangover Beach. It was where all the druggies would hang out. <laughs> so. Hangover Beach didn't have any surfers, but when I was 12, my mother divorced my father and moved us down to Brazil, and um, and I was in the ocean nonstop there. It took me about a year or so to save up and buy a board, and uh, so I was about 13 when I rode my first wave. Cool. And you had uh,
0: you had access to boards? On, was there tons of boards around? Or no, it park-
1: there weren't tons of boards. I th- my my very first wave. I had been invited by some friends. They had rented a house in the, on this uh, island called Ida Granji, a gorgeous island in Rio. You can only get to by boat. And some friends of uh, some older kids from school had sailed there and sailed around the island looking for surf breaks. And on the other side of this island that I was staying at was López Mendes, which is uh, a surf break. And fortunately, they preserved it. It's now a uh, national park. So, but um so this older kid had a, a had a board there and i borrowed it and i stood up on my first wave and it was magical I, uh the water was so clear it was as if i was just floating like two feet above the ground and i remember looking down and just going this is amazing mm. and um he sold me that board he was uh, coming back to the states he uh, was leaving uh, brazil and i bought that board and it was uh, it was shaped in Cocoa Beach, Florida, and it was called uh, Special Effects by Doug, and it was 6 diamond tail single single fin, which wasn't a great board for Rio because the there was so much space next to the fins that it would side slip down anything steep, mm-hmm. and most of the breaks I surfed were steep beach breaks, right. hollow, just fast and. Uh, so I spent a lot of time splatting on my face on that board, but I'm sure it did good though to teach you kind of how to use your rail to yeah, hold on onto the face more. Yeah. and I'd get lucky if I, you know, uh, if I tried uh, uh, I'd wait till I really got to the bottom before I in- initiated my turn uh-huh. and it would just push, you know, send me right into the slot and I can So you worked you on know, bottom turns a bunch. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so
0: what yeah. was what was that experience like your that first session? kind of walk us through the whole thing you know getting your board like because there's a whole emotion uh, there's a whole picture around yeah, the first yeah so
1: we're on this beach that's probably five miles long with not a soul on it and uh, at the right hand uh, uh, the right end uh, right hand end of the beach there were these rocks and these beautiful waves and the uh, rip Harwood and Hawk and Lawrence and were two of the guys on the boat and I think uh, rip's brother, Charlie was there too and I was just watching them you know catch waves and I just I mean I wanted that board I wanted to ride a wave so bad and you know so I asked him if I could try and he said yeah yeah go ahead and battled out and um and you know I was hooked I was hooked from then on I mean up until then as soon as I got to Rio I got a little styrofoam board and we used to body surf and body bodyboard these huge beach break waves and just, we'd go me and my friends would go out in storm conditions eight 12 foot just Just bone-crushing beach breaks yeah, that's, <laughs>
0: and that's raw ocean down there raw ocean. It's southern you know ocean.
1: Yeah, um, it picks up uh, Rio faces east to west uh, a lot like, like Long Island does but it picks up all the southern hemisphere swell right and uh, and and it's really powerful and and uh, the um, the spot that the W WSL is going to now, Sacuarima, um I went there in the early 70s and camped, and there was not a single house there. And now it's just like a major surf destination. It's you know it's it's a real city now, um, mm. and it, it it's a big wave spot. And it gets really big there. And some of the most uh, harrowing moments I've had in the ocean were there. Yeah. yeah,
0: that's. I mean, that's notorious. I know that from sailing. My dad's a big yeah. sailor, so he would always pass me down books that he read. And man, notorious that Southern Ocean. Yeah, you know, anywhere in the world, oh. Southern Ocean is just yeah. more raw. I, I think you know, there's just less continent. Just a, there's less land. Yeah, so there's more. There's a momentum. lot
1: more energy. It's a lot more powerful. And my my uncle, he wasn't a surfer, but he was he was a body surfer, and he was a waterman, and uh, he. Uh, he was constantly saving people, you know, pulling them out. But he, you know, as soon as I got down there, he taught me about the riptides and, you know, how to, you know, just look at the ocean. You see the discolored uh, spots in the in the water. Those are the rip currents and he taught me how to get in and out of them. And... Um, he used to jog every morning and at one point he was saying, I, I, I can't jog anymore, it's like my, I, I keep getting interrupted having to save people, just like, because you could be standing in ankle deep water at one second and the next second you're uh, 100 yards out. Right, yeah. right, especially yeah. with, if you
0: have like that very dynamic bathymetry where just
1: next to you is you're falling off the bar yeah. and in water just rushing out to stay. Yeah. And it just comes in with some such force that, you know, that if you're not prepared and you, you don't know that the set is coming in, it's just going to sweep you off your feet. Mm. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. So now after
0: Brazil, so that's just like 13 years old, you get your first surfboard. Yeah.
1: Start just... Yeah, and I'd already spent a year in the water, you know, just, right, you know, just getting ready around. for that. Uh, we'll take, you know, going out and catching waves on this little styrofoam board and we had painted them and the paint would started to chip and it would just rub our chests raw I mean we would just let like, be walking around with like scabs all over our, <laughs> our <laughs> <chest>. <laughs> oh my yeah. god yeah it was brutal
0: <laughs> so how long did that last with this board and that whole phase of and then your... I
1: kept that board until I left Rio when I graduated high school um, and oh, so, so I, I for five years I, yeah yeah I, I surfed it until until I left and you know occasionally I'd borrow somebody else's board board, um, you know, one of the most harrowing experiences I had in Sakwadema was my board was getting repaired and there was some storm surf coming in. And me and this Austrian guy, Peter Ani, decided to paddle out. And uh, I borrowed a uh, board, a six-seven from an Australian guy. And it was, um, you know, it had a stinger, it was single fin, um, but it was definitely more suited for, for larger waves. But his leash had broken and he tied a rope to the to the board (laughs) and then a cloth at the end of the rope that you uh, tied to your ankle. No. Yeah. 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 So there was no give. No. There was no stretch in this. It was nylon rope. And uh, so I paddled out and the channel takes you right out. I mean, they have a channel with a riptide where the fishermen take their boats out and everything else. And it's like right next to the break. And we paddle out, and it's it's victory at sea. It's storm surf. You know, we're just, like, you know, rocking and rolling all the way out. And uh, he's, like, a good 15, 20 yards ahead of me, and we paddle over... To the lineup, and nobody else is out because it's not good. It's just big. <laughs> it's just—it's not good. It's storm surf. You know, and how old then, are you? Um, at this point, maybe I was fifteen. So you've uh, only you know? been surfing for two years. Yeah, you know, I've only been surfing for a couple, and, and couple in years. The ocean yeah. a few more years. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Sorry. Continue. Yeah. Yeah. No, I was not. Uh, you know, I was not. So it was still it, hard was for you great. to
0: judge the ocean. Um, you know,
1: I, I kind of feel like I, I progressed pretty fast at that at that age. Um, but definitely like the last couple of years I was in Rio, it was coming together. Mm-hmm. Um, but at this point, um, I, I probably wasn't great. Uh, but we, we paddle into the lineup and this set is coming in and I can see the third wave of the set in the distance feathering and Peter paddling for it. And I'm in position to catch the first wave or take the second one on the head. So I turn around and I start paddling for the first one. And it's choppy. I get hung up in the lip. I go over the falls on a eight to 12 foot wave. I go over the the falls. So no, what happened was as I go over the falls, the board went up and the board, (laughs) the board, Kind of ripped my nuts and and rope burned my neck at the same time that rope that was oh, like God. there was no give, so now i 've been kicked in the nuts and rope burned on the neck, and i 'm held under and i don 't know which way is up or down it's <laughs> you know it 's deep there, and it was big, it was like being held down at Alamo but warmer
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's funny the you things you think about on yeah, your way to dying <laughs> you know,
1: did I mention that I was tripping my balls off no you did no,
0: no, oh I that's was. a great piece of the story yeah. wait a minute go back a second
1: yeah there was this, an American had come down with some really really strong acid and he turned us on and and we decided to surf oh and, which gosh. was not a good idea and I was really young too so I mean I was I was tripping my balls off wow and, uh, 15
0: years old yeah, you got a rope for a leash yeah, and a rag for a strap
1: Yep, yeah. and 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 you're tripping and I'm tripping and it's 10 to 12 foot yeah wow 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 okay All right. go ahead so So, now so you're going over the falls so I go over the falls you know get my uh, nuts almost ripped off and my (laughs) rope my neck rope burned and, and I get held under I pop up The second wave is already broken, and it holds me down. And I'm like, I'm in trouble here. Uh, It's like, this might be it, you know? This might be it. I'm getting ragdolled. I'm underwater. I can't find which way is up. I'm swimming, swimming. I hit the bottom. I'm going the wrong direction. So I push off the bottom. I pop up. The third wave's about to hit me, and my board's right there. So I grab it. Bounce my face off my board, you know? so now I've split my lip too. And, <laughs> but I'm giving this board a bear hug. I'm not letting it go. Yeah, and yeah, It's yeah. like this board is my salvation. And uh, I get bounced around till I finally get pushed into shore. And I laid on the beach. I couldn't untie the the the, the cloth had been pulled so tight. I couldn't get the knot undone. I couldn't move. I it was gasping for air, and I just laid down on I laid down on the sand, and I'm. Probably stayed there for about an hour, just looking at the sky, and the sky did really pretty things to me that day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: not forgetting that you're still tripping. Yeah, I'm
1: tripping, tripping hard. Oh my gosh, that's and crazy. Peter had caught his wave on the outside and rode it all the way in. Of course, he was on a gun, which was like... And this is an
0: Austrian dude.
1: An Austrian guy. And, and, how did he learn know, how to surf? He, uh, he you know, like, I, I went to the American school in Rio, and so anybody who, uh, you know, either diplomats or, or corporations, they sent their kids there, and it was one of the best schools in Brazil, so even the rich Brazilians sent their kids there. And, uh, I was there on a financial scholarship. My mother got to Rio with you know four kids and, and we didn't speak portuguese and she went to to the catholic school because we had grown up in the catholic school in miami and she's like you know can my kids come to school here and they're like no and so she took us up to the american school and uh, they let me and my older sister in my two younger sisters ended up by going into a brazilian school they were young enough says that they weren't going to miss much but you know um, we were 12 and 14 my older sister and I and uh, so anyway um, so either you know uh, Peter's family either worked for the uh, for some corporation or government I'm I'm not even sure what his history is but um, it turns out that uh, you know Facebook is good for this is that I've reconnected with these people after 30 years, you know, and, wow. uh, and I managed to contact the guy that first, that sold me my first surfboard. Wow. He's a lawyer in Texas and, Jeez, uh, talk about a trip. Yeah. It's yeah, amazing. Yeah. And I said, you either ruined my life or saved my life. I'm not sure. <laughs> <But> <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So oh, that's funny.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's a good story. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So. so, and now how long, when you left, you said before, like up until you left. So when did you leave?
1: Um, uh, it was 1976, and the um, an interesting part of that, s- that stint in Brazil was in 1975 um, I saw a picture of Turtle Cove, New York in a surf magazine, and I remember uh, yes, in 1975 they, somebody put a picture of Turtle Cove in a surf magazine. there was an article written and uh, um, I was flabbergasted that New York had waves, you know, up until then, I never imagined I'd ever live in New York. I never uh-huh. imagined there was surf here. And so when I graduated high school, I wanted to come back to the States. My mom said, fine, I can't pay for it. So I sold everything I had. I sold that surfboard. I sold my record collection. I sold guitars and uh, paid my way and went to California for a couple of years, went to United, United States International University in San Diego and hated that school ended up by moving up to santa cruz for a year but uh um you know a bunch of things happened one is i wasn't prepared for the cold i had no money so uh you know it uh, was like in shitty wetsuits and borrowed boards in san diego and my surfing like just deteriorated it felt like it went backwards and santa cruz um it was pretty much the same deal and after two years in in the states i got a cheap ticket that um to go visit my mom in Brazil that left from New York and came back to New York and my roommate at the time in Santa Cruz was driving across country to deliver his girlfriend to the guy she was leaving him for so really yeah yeah That's he was a magnanimous guy and uh, you know wanted to do uh, th- some noble act uh, as his last act with her and so he got grumpier and grumpier the closer we got to new york so he was from seneca new york upstate and uh he dropped me off at some friend's house in new jersey and i stayed with them went down to rio for a couple months and came back and was trying to make some money um to get back to california and uh, a friend uh, that i'd known in brazil contacted me. He was living in New York. He's like, come live with me. And uh, I'd overstayed my welcome at my friend's house in New Jersey. The mother was like, look, I've raised my boys. Go, Dalton, go. <laughs> so I got into Parsons, got a job translating uh, downtown and got uh, moved in with Mike Adler, this kid, um, pretty much in the same day. Ended up by staying and saved up, bought a car and drove to Montauk, you know. Um, wow. cause so you went from being in the cold of California
0: to being in the cold th- of New York. Yeah. Yeah. Two totally different kinds of colds.
1: Yeah, two totally different kinds of colds. Wow. What yeah, time of yeah. year was it when, when that all? Um, God, when did I? Uh, I don't even remember. It was um, It's all kind of a blur, you know, um, when, when I first moved. I mean, the first thing I did was just start, you know, working and hated my job in, in uh, uh, translating and this same guy that gave me a place to live was selling photo retouching, and it's like, check out what these guys do. And I went there and saw these guys working on National Geographic pictures, putting detail into underwater shots, and then I was like, wow, I could do that. that. That looks pretty cool. My financial aid got screwed up at Parsons. My, my friend got murdered, and uh, so, uh, wow. but before that happened, I, I got a job doing, I took a c- cut in pay to start doing photo retouching. And was always drawing and painting on the side, but uh, that became a career that translated into digital, and then uh, I did that for did, a long time.
0: Were you formally, so before I move on, uh, for the listeners, just so everyone knows that Dalton is an outstanding artist, and you've done some incredible work for, com- like, commercial work for, like, Hollywood movie posters. Yeah. Uh, I, my favorite of your work is your watercolors, so if you yeah. don't know Dalton's work, you've got to check it out. Um, DaltonPortella.com. Right there you go.
1: I was yeah. just going to ask. Or D L T N A R T on Instagram. It's like Dalton without the yeah. Uh, vowels. Yeah, Aren't. you. So for sure, check that out because it's
0: beautiful work. Anyway, what I wanted to ask about that though is. Did you have any formal training up up until that
1: point? Yeah, um, like right but when I when I got to California, I took um, I took drawing and and watercolor classes like right off the bat. Watercolors were the most affordable medium, and um, since I was you know pretty much on my own and penniless, um, I went with what I could afford, right. and uh, um, and I took some oil painting classes that first year in San Diego in Santa Cruz. I had a great teacher, a uh, drawing teacher named Howard Ikimoto, and I had forgotten his name, you know, that was 30-something years ago, or more, actually, almost 40, yeah, um, but I was having a show at Out East Gallery, and somebody from California who followed my work sent his friends uh, to see my show, and we were talking, and I mentioned this I'd had this Japanese-American teacher, and, and they knew him. They said, that's Howard Ikimoto. He just retired. And uh, anyway, he taught me so much about drawing, which I incorporate into my art to this day. You know, one, huh. of, one of the best stories he had was uh, um, this artist in Japan gets commissioned to draw a fish, and he tells the client to come back in a year. So a year goes by. The client shows up at the artist's house, and he lays out a sheet of paper, and he draws him a fish. And the guy's like, "You made me wait a year for this." And he walks over to this door, opens it, and out pour hundreds of drawings of fish. So it was like perfecting that mark, being able to say it in one stroke. Oh. You know, how long did it take? No, it took a lifetime. <laughs> you know.
0: Right. Right. Yeah.
1: that's so. a beautiful story. I love that kind of.
0: Um, like that wisdom, you know. Yeah,
1: and I apply that to, like, the shark series I've done where, uh, you know, I would just, I'll do increasingly larger studies of it until I know the form well enough to just, without any pencil, just paint it in in watercolor.
0: So
1: uh, cool. But uh, so then coming
0: back to surfing, so now you're in New York and you know so you know already about montauk what, what was that first trip like and
1: yeah the first trip we we uh, came out to montauk um i saved up i bought an alfa romeo a little four-door and uh i came out i came out here and you know there were no surf forecasts and we get out here and it's tiny it's like and i'm uh, i was only riding short boards at the time and it was it was not really even shortboardable but I love the place. So we drove over to u and and uh, rented a boat and had him pull us on, uh, you know, uh, and uh, that was our weekend. And then I, st- I would do that a, a few weekends of summer. I'd just come out, um, get drunk at Salivar's when it was like a proper dive bar um, and had a pool table and like 30 cent beers and, uh, and shots were a buck maybe or something crazy like that. And so we did some weekends out here. And eventually uh, some friends of mine had a summer rental in Bridgehampton. I went in on that with them and commuted every day. I'd wake up, I'd, I'd drive to Montauk, I'd surf all day, go back to Bridgehampton, have dinner with them wake up and do it all over again and then at that point I you know decided like if, if I ever was going to rent or buy it would have to be in Montauk because I hated having to commute and you know there were several years like I stayed in the city thinking I, I'd get my uh tried to get a band off the ground and uh I, um that was one of the big reasons I thought New York was going to be a good place for for my band I had this band called The Hunt and that didn't really work but um I think God was looking out for me because if I would had unbridled success, I probably would have died. <laughs> you know, I was, you know, an alcoholic and a drug addict. I stayed in the city and made a lot of money and spent a lot of money drinking and drug and for a couple of years, I didn't surf and I was miserable and uh, met some guys on the Lower East Side that had a rental in Montauk and the guy's like, you know, if you want to get away and, you know, uh, go stay at my house, you know, go stay at my house. It was on... Uh, east lake drive and uh i came out for like a healing weekend and you know decided i really needed to make some changes and uh just started surfing more again and got sober and uh, um did a couple summer rentals it, and at that point the price of a summer rental was about the down payment on a house so we made an offer on this house in 97 bought it in 98 and that was 20 years now yeah. wow yeah
0: Wow, that's awesome. And and so, what, like, that whole period of not surfing, what was going on there? Why did that all, like,
1: happen? That was just drinking and drugging in the city, working night shifts and uh, um, going to after hours bars afterwards. My uh, surfing
0: just slowly drifted uh, away?
1: Yes. Uh, yeah. I put on some weight and I was one of those cokeheads that uh, drank too much and ate too much to recuperate. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. uh, um, Yeah, I was just miserable and, you know, fighting an addiction, you know. Um, And it was, yeah, it was a god awful way to live. It was really, that was hell. And then
0: surfing came back and saved you.
1: Surfing came back and saved me. I went out with these guys. They had just started to learn. The same guy that rented the house here. And we went out a couple times. And I was like a seal stuffed into a wetsuit. I mean, I was just like, (laughs) and these guys were catching waves and I wasn't. And I knew I could surf better than them. It really ate me up that I was, you know, that I was so out of shape. Watching Uh, these beginners. Yeah, watching these beginners catch more waves than me. It was just like, it was so disheartening and humiliating. And it was like, God, I can't can't do this. I have to change the way, uh, uh, you know, the way i'm treating myself and my body and uh started working out with a trainer and uh you know just uh, um you know there were a couple different bottoms in my life the first time i got sober it was with a shrink and uh we, we we made some drastic changes and that was right around the time you know i got back into it and uh um started spending more and more time out here and realized that you know i just I hated the city. I mean, I knew I hated the city, but I mean, realized well, it there...
0: But you thought there was opportunity there. Yeah, yeah, I stayed
1: for the opportunity, and, you know, I really believe now, you know, you create the opportunity where, wherever you live. Sometimes it's more of a struggle. We were talking about that earlier. This is not an easy place to survive, mm-hmm. but uh, I, uh, I wouldn't trade it, you know, not for the city, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So... My wife and I had separated at one point when I was hitting bottom, and I pulled that back together, and we started dating, and she came out to Montauk, and um, for our first time together after two years, and and um, she got pregnant with Bryn. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh, that's a nice story. I yeah. didn't know that that aspect yeah. to it. Yeah. It's that's awesome that you could like pull that back. You know, I think it's so easy, especially we're humans. You know, we take for granted things. That we have, just like you did with surfing, you know, yeah. and people do it all the time with their loved ones. Yeah. Um, but to to be able to recognize and to regather, recollect, and yeah. put it back together,
1: like whoa, look at what I've done here. Let me yeah. let me let me put it back. And you know, for for some people, like you know, for for an alcoholic addict like me, it, it, that addiction will tell you that you have the right to party. You have the right to do this. You you can turn your back on your family and just you know do what you want to do and it's just evil and mm. it just you know it was taking me down and uh, you know um, well then, congratulations on yeah. you
0: sound, as far as I'm concerned this is a wild success yeah you, know, you put was, your family back yep. together you, you yep. a beautiful daughter to come yep. out of it he, uh, sober living, you know, and just staying on the straight and narrow yep. and, and then surfing. <laughs> yeah. And you're still surfing. And uh, yeah. as far as I can tell, doing great out there. Thanks. How old yep. are you now?
1: I just turned 60 in April.
0: Wow. Yeah. Oh, happy birthday. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> 60. That's yeah. great. I was actually, uh, I talked to Jim Wanzelak. He's a surfer. I'm sure you recognize him from the lineup. If you don't recognize his name, um, he lives in the trailer park uh-huh. and he ju- he turned 62 just recently and uh that's a podcast a couple ago if you guys want to go check that out which is a good one but we talked a little bit about just continuing surfing as you get older and it gets harder you know the stand-up gets harder and yeah sometimes my sometimes
1: my knees complain now and you know if i go if i drop in backside into a pig dog stance man to get up off of that crouching position it's like i gotta give myself a little push you yeah, know yeah. so like the knees aren't gonna do it for me you know wow wow.
0: but it's just it's <laughs> i just i was telling him but, the same thing it just makes me feel like it's just encouraging you know and like i will i'm gonna be one of the, the old surfers that sits yeah. around and keeps surfing and you know it's just so important you know it's it's your it vitality is. it's 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 passion yeah. it keeps you going
1: yeah, when I, you know, look at, uh, at, at the pictures of a lot of my high school friends and and you know, what a sedentary life will do to you, it's like, wow, well, I don't look like that. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, no, I want to be, I want to be active in the ocean. I find it's incredibly healing. I don't, I don't get the same thing from running or biking or anything else. You know, it's just being immersed in the ocean, is is just healing. Yeah, know?
0: same, same. The, uh, so what is your process like in the day since you live in such a great place? you got your, the ocean right in front of the house. I, don't, I wonder if we can hear it on the, uh, when we go back and listen to this. I hope Cause so. Because that's awesome. Yeah. yeah, it's so nice. Yeah, it's
1: a constant uh, roar. Yeah. Um, so well, anyway, you, you go check the surf? I usually check the surf. I'll come right out here to the deck and have my coffee, and I, I'll peek at... Uh, Surfline and Corey's wave to because i've got so much brush in front of me i can't I, I can't see the i can't see the ocean but uh um then i'll go down and check and i'll get a surf in and one of the things about getting older is i I might need a nap afterwards, but <laughs> sometimes it'll take all day to muster up the energy to start creating, but i don't feel good if i don't produce so mm-hmm. i keep uh, you know i keep it going even if I have to work at night you know and uh um, and then I, uh, abhor a uh, schedule. I, I, I just, I don't like any, I don't like schedules for me. You know, I like to paint when I want to paint. I like to, um, play when I want to play. And, uh, you know, so I don't have that much structure to that. Um, if I'm, but
0: you're productive, so it's yeah, no need yeah. really. As long as you're yeah. like desiring to serve, yeah. or desiring to paint. Yeah. Then you're yeah. Your the stuff. desire
1: is constantly there and I don't feel good if I'm not producing. So, um, that drives me. Um, so you know what's a funny question that I, I,
0: I always am in like I've been telling everybody the same thing and introducing the question the same way, so now I'm getting self conscious about how I'm saying it right now, but it's true. I've been really surprised by the answers when I ask people what is their biggest fear in surfing, and I always expect the same things, you know, sharks, blah, 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 this and that, but it's actually really fascinating the things that come to people's mind that makes them nervous or, or fearful. So what do you have, is there anything that makes you nervous, or what in surfing scares you, um, or the ocean, or, you know, in general?
1: I'd say... Um... You know, not so much here, but uh, when I surfed Indonesia, the reef scared me a bit. Mm. <laughs> um, uh, but when it comes, uh, my biggest fear in surfing is not being able to surf. That's my biggest fear. Is That's that, what uh, Jim you know, said. That's
0: what Jim yeah,
1: yeah, it's like, you know, uh, uh, that my body will go before I'm, you know, done getting everything I want to out of it. Of course, I don't think we ever get everything we want to out of it, But mm. um, but... Yeah, I would say yeah. my fear of surfing is not being able to surf, mm. but uh, uh, yeah, um, the ocean doesn't scare me. Uh, I mean, I think that, uh, you know, I know that in certain conditions you could definitely lose your life out there, but if I do... I went happy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's yeah, like yeah. I went yeah, well, doing I something you, I uh, you wouldn't be afraid of the ocean
0: if you made it through on that 10 uh, to 12 foot uh, yeah. day. If, when you're 15 ripping my tripping. Ass off. Yeah. And
1: you know, one of the, uh, there's been two other incidents uh, that I can think of where I was I thought I was in serious trouble. One was right in front of my house um, in a, a, a fall um, the swell was predicted to jump but i watched it all day long and it hadn't grown yet so i came home ate a big meal and then i could hear it from my deck i could feel it more than hear it you know yeah. it thumping and uh so uh, it was uh my first uh first day in a full suit that that, that fall um and i paddled out and it was it was big it was like double overhead and it it was a super thick lip and i made it all the way out there and took a set on the head that just snapped my board and just kept me under for so long that i was like uh i'm in trouble and plus i'd eaten a huge meal so that wasn't that wasn't smart either and i was just like i'd held under by like a four wave set and uh and was a little worried there and the other time uh was just before I got sober, it was March um, 2001, I paddled out at Alamo and I was overweight and out of shape. I'd uh, gone on a binge in the city, a five-day binge of drinking and drugging and I came out here and Alamo was big and I just timed it wrong. It was a incoming tide and I couldn't fight it anymore and I took a set on the head and started getting pushed into the rocks and it was bad. I wanted to throw up and shit in my wetsuit at the same time. I was just like... And pushing myself off of the rocks just to not get crushed. And wow. diving into the white water and just... Until I finally got pushed around. And that was, that was, a, um, that was a moment that I said, that, you know, I, I really can't do this anymore. i got to get sober. And I went to rehab like a couple of weeks later. And so it's been 17 years now. Wow. Good for yeah. you. That. So... Yeah, those Alamo hold downs make me nervous. I'd <laughs> have to say. You yeah, know, yeah. That's, that's a that's an
0: interesting wave because it's really two bodies of water converging there. Yeah, you know, it's there's a, there's a couple
1: interesting dynamics that happen there. So that's yeah. If you're in the impact zone, it's not going to let you out very easily. right, you know? right. and, and especially you on there. an incoming tide, it's just going to push you in. Me and, uh, into the rocks.
0: me and Lee Mirowitz um, yeah, rescued you, two Yeah, you girls. rescued
1: the girls out there. We yeah. were talking about that. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it
0: was a similar situation. I, was, I saw it all going down. I saw exactly what was happening. And honestly, the reason I didn't do something sooner is because I thought there were two girls that I knew that were very competent water people. Mm-hmm. So I was like, all right, they know the tide's pulling them into the impact zone. They know what's going on. But then slowly I'm watching them drift to the impact zone from where it was very calm towards the impact, you know. Yeah. And I'm like, no, they don't know what's going on. So I start paddling over to them. You know, a set comes just as they're getting into the impact zone. They get destroyed. It's two, two girls on a stand-up paddleboard. Board's gone. They're in the water swimming. And they're still fighting the current trying to get back to where they were. At this point, they're in the impact zone. Yeah. It's like, okay, start going with the current and yeah. out, out the other end. Right. Um, but I had seen this happening, so I started paddling over, and Lee was hot on my tail to get the other girl, and you know they were on my, they, they each got on our back, one each, you know, per surfer, and we were just duck diving bombs, you know, with these girls on our backs and getting worked, and I was hanging onto the boards, so I was doing okay, but it was such an awkward duck dive, yeah, because you know all that extra weight, but not just weight, like people float. So yeah. I couldn't duck dive as deep as I wanted to. We were getting pushed towards the rocks, yeah. and my last duck dive that I had to make before I cleared the point and made it around the corner, my, my fins scratched rocks duck diving. And I was like, oh my god, we're not going to make it if we don't come up and like, we're around the corner. And Thank god we were around the corner and we made it. I was like, oh yeah. my god. But it was exactly the same situation where they just got caught in, that, you know, in the impact zone yeah. there. And then they kept themselves there by fighting the rip fighting the tide trying not to get sucked yeah. deeper when they really should have just gone with it.
1: Yep. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. I, I know well hard. enough to look back and go, all right, which, <laughs> if I can't make it back to the west side of the peak, I'm hauling ass <laughs> to the, to the east. Yeah. 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 yeah.
0: yeah. yeah, what a lineup that is. Well, Don, thank you so much for being on the show.
1: Thanks for having me on the show, and thanks for coming over. Yeah, this is a great
0: place. I actually really enjoy just this time on the, the deck. It's yeah. such a nice little secluded spot. Even though we're not really away from anything, it feels like it. It's pretty magical. Yeah, I love it. And if anybody out there wants to be on the CoopCast, or you know somebody who deserves to be on the CoopCast, you should hit me up, info at the surfcontinuum.com.